Welcome to Sparks of History. We are extremely pleased to have with us today Rabbi Dr. Yaakov Nagin. Uh, Rabbi Nagin is the director of Ortora Stone's Blickle Institute for Interfaith Dialogue and Beit Medrash for Judaism and Humanity. Rabbi Nagin received rabbinic ordination from Yeshiva University's Ritz and holds a PhD in Jewish philosophy from the Hebrew University. Uh, Rabbi Nagin is a leading figure in interfaith dialogue between Judaism and Islam and in encounters between Judaism and Eastern religions and has written extensively on those extremely important topics. Uh, Rabbi uh, Nagin, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it very much. Okay. Thank you. Good to be together. Okay. Um, just to start off, uh, Big question. Is the root of the Israeli-Arab conflict religious? Is it an Islamic-Jewish clash? And if so, can or should interfaith dialogue and reconciliation be the answers to tackling or beginning to tackle the uh, the conflict? Okay, so um, certainly there is a religious component. And as... Um, a, my, a predecessor, Rabbi Fruman, had, would always say, if religion is part of the problem in a conflict, it will have to be part of the solution. Identity, people's identities could create conflict between them, but identities aren't going to go away. So somehow they have to be taken into account. Um, that being said, I think it's important to realize that there are many dimensions. There is a national conflict and there are two forces that are being used uh, by our enemies to empower their um, their genocidal conflict against us. One power would be what I see as a perversion of of their religious identity, um, um, a form of radical political Islam, and another force. No, which I think people are waking up to realize how no less powerful and is is the neo-Marxist global left that that combination together is what has been empowering our enemies. Okay, um, so, so is there a inherent clash between Islam and Judaism that is reflective in the? Um, Israeli Arab slash Palestinian conflict, and how important of a factor is that? So, I believe that um, there is not a clash. The agenda of the Hamas in general, the Hamas and the the Palestinian forces that are fighting against Israel, they, they are trying. They are trying to create a narrative that there's a global struggle cosmic struggle between Judaism and Islam. To accept that narrative is playing into the hands of the Hamas and of our enemies. And for many years of study of Islam and encounters with Islamic religious leaders throughout the world, I believe that not only is this playing into the hands of the enemy to accept their narrative, it is also a false narrative. However, as a friend of mine, an imam, pointed out, when asked, why is it that there's often so much violence in the name of religion? He said, religion is power. Power corrupts. 
when there's a national struggle of the our, the other side is looking for power, religion is power, and they corrupt that power to use it to against us. But we cannot play in their hands. And additionally, I feel it is false to feel that the DNA of Islam is anti-Jewish. And in fact, some, um, we know that there are other vectors that are taking place, such as the Abraham Accords, which reflect which reflect the opposite, that there is a common, there's a potential of common identity. For example, based on our shared uh, father figure, Avraham, to bring us together. And by and large, the Abraham Accords have persisted despite the war taking place now. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Blickle Institute for Interfaith Dialogue and specifically your personal encounters um, in these efforts. Who do you meet with? What forums are there? And um, why do you believe it's it's so important to engage in those activities? So we were founded by Ortora Stone at the initiative of Rabbi um, Rabbi Brander, who's now the president of Ortora Stone, and part in the recognition. I think the two major reasons why now the question of what is the place of the Jewish people in the broad story of humanity. Number one. The return of, of the Jewish people to, to, to our homeland uh, is part of a broader vision. And that vision of Shivat Zion, the return to, to Israel, the return to Yushalayim, is part and parcel of a broader, of a broader vision of the Jewish people fulfilling a destiny of being part of the broader story of humanity with a role in it. The same way that in synagogue, we end every prayer at the Aleinu talking about humanity united in the service of God. And number two, there is globalization. Globalization is a reality. We can't, the world is intermeshed together. And the question is, being part of the global reality, will we come there as Jews within our Jewish identity, or will we concede the global interconnection of humanity from our secular side and not from our religious side? So these to create an imperative to deal with issues of Judaism and humanity. And October 7th just makes that stronger because in this struggle, which is more than just about Israel and the Hamas, there are global forces at at, at at play here, and we can't, as, as as great spirits we have, the Jewish people, we can't do it all alone. We need allies. We need partners. And reaching out to humanity is a way to build partnerships to help us also in our geopolitical existential struggles. So, so give examples, let's say, of of a recent encounter in Okay, so and, I what, what, and what was the discussion about, and 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 how how does the other side view you? How does that dialogue take place? Okay, so one example I could bring that recently, um, Israel's foreign ministry invited myself and also Rachel Goldberg, um, the mother of Hirsch, one of the hostages, 
to speak to a group of major Christian leaders who've come from Africa to show their solidarity with Israel. Uh, it was a very moving meeting. Um, as I told them, I said, Did you, we, we went from the children of Israel to the people of Israel. It took place in Africa. We're also Africans. And pointed out that our great leader, Moshe, got his name from an African woman, the daughter of um, um, daughter of Paro, who the Medjah says her name was Batya, daughter of God. He said she was daughter of God, but many of you are from the country that also has a Hebrew name. You're Kenya. Kenya is Hebrew. Kenya. Yes, God. But not to insult any, any of the other countries from Africa, I said, but all have come today. We all hear you loud and clear saying, yes, God, by your choice to be with the Jewish people at this time. And then they said something I thought very deep and very moving. They said, we ask ourselves, why is there so many, so much anti-Semitism in the world? They said, we believe it's the Jewish people who receive the Torah, who are the chosen for a destiny by God, um, are the people of God. People that in rooted, they have a hatred of God, a hatred truly of God, God of the Bible. The way they bring out that hatred of the divine and all that the Bible represents is by anti-Semitism against the Jewish people. So I think in the 20th century, this is true about Hitler and Stalin. In the 21st century, this is true about the egoistic, extreme political Islam and the secular political woke left of neo-Marxism. Um, and, and let me go to the Muslim side also. Yes, please. Yes, um, absolutely. There's the world's largest Muslim country is Indonesia. And what's very moving, the world's largest Muslim organization is the Nadlatu Ulama with 100 million followers. And they, on a global level, are trying to confront political Islam to create an Islam which goes back to the real fundamentals of uh, real religious fundam fundamentals. And they've done a, many moving initiatives. Um, at the heart of the war, they had a summit in Jakarta, Indonesia, that I was a part of, and was followed in Princeton University, also by Indonesian leaders. They brought leaders of all of humanity's major faiths, Christian, Jews, Buddhists, Hindus, to create a religion-based universal declaration of human rights to fight weaponization of identity and have religion be part of solutions for humanity's problems and not being the problem itself. So there are many important initiatives, but unfortunately, media focuses often on the negative and to realize that, yes, the Hamas, these are a incarnation of Nazism at its worst. The neo-Marxism is anti-Semitic and the dialogue of language of decolonization is at the forefront of demonizing Israel and empowering our, our enemies. But there are other forces as well. And sometimes the trauma feeling everybody is against us is self-defeating because no, the world maybe is obsessed about the Jewish people in Israel, but that obsession, there's hatred, 
there's love, there's and there's there are partnerships that we need to make for our sake and the sake of the, of humanity. Given given the history of disputations in Jewish Christian history, at least in which Jews were forced to debates, um, as well as a a traditional Jewish view that rejects religious interfaith dialogue, doesn't reject efforts in improving society, but interfaith dialogue is looked upon uh, in a negative way. Um, Why should Jewish leaders get involved in interfaith Mm-hmm. efforts and and what and what do we really mean here by interfaith dialogue okay so first of all i think this invoking the christian precedent i think is a good example about seeing that there have been positive processes in the world um the in the middle ages what was called dialogue were polemics that the jews were forced to come forbidden to ask questions, only to answer challenges and 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 always design, things were set up for them to lose and prove yet another proof for once for the for the Christian side against the Jewish side as a as a prelude to forced conversion. Certainly these medieval polemics are things we want to certainly stem away from. However, the last since the Holocaust, there have been deep and transformational changes in Jewish-Christian relations that represent processes uh, that should not be ignored, and unfortunately, too often are not known by the Jewish community. After the horrors of the Holocaust, there was an encounter by a Holocaust survivor who lost his wife and children, who wrote a book showing how was the pathology of Christian anti-Semitism that ultimately, although the Nazis were not religious, were not Christian, but those seeds of hatred ultimately led to the Holocaust. The Pope was deeply shaken by that and met the author. And this led to a process called Nostra Atati, in our times of profound changes of how the Catholic Church, which is most of the Christians, view Judaism. But again, it was a process. If people would look at the initial document from the early 60s, um, the, we would say it, say, it's, um, it, it certainly did not satisfy all that we feel should have been said. However, sometimes dissatis- we have to realize processes take time. Confronting 2,000 years of anti-Semitism, it's a process. The question is, are we going in the right direction or the wrong direction? Nostra Tati focused on removing the negative, strongly against anti-Semitism, strongly against collective um, accusing the Jews as responsible for the death of Jesus, against the, the myth of the wandering Jew, but there are many other stages. For example, the Vatican, when it ultimately recognized the state of Israel, which was a dramatic change because part of Christian ideology was a denial of the Jewish nationhood. And this went further. In 2015, a document by the Vatican 
the gifts of God are irrevocable, saying that the covenant of the Jewish people and God um, was a blessing which is irrevocable. So Jews achieved salvation without need or regard to Jesus. And therefore, there is no need for a mission to the Jewish people because Jews through the Torah achieved their salvation. Now, these, um, is, there's still a process, but this process to, um, is something that should be acknowledged and recognized and see how can we do this elsewhere. And then ask questions, what is our role in this process? Right before the war, Anoshana Rabbah, I was interviewed extensively in response to tragic, I wouldn't say tragic, that um, unfortunate instances of Jews spitting on priests in Yerushalayim, which has created, created tremendous chilul Hashem, and the chief rabbi and others spoke out about this. But part of it is, in first of all, in our in our survival, we need allies, and spitting in faces is not something that helps our struggle for the survival. But even more so, it's not only in. We hope for ultimately a vision of the future of humanity calling together in the name of God. And even it, we could have theological disagreements with other religions, but there still is a deep potential to be partners in calling in the name of God. In fact, we have a book, a product of our Beit Midrash, which is in the in Hebrew, Ushimo Achad, which is now being the translation to English is being completed. God shall be one, um, which is about re-envisioning the um, Jewish relationships between Judaism and other world religions would say that, yes, we could have theological disagreements, but there is a core that we are connected that allow us to share not only a practical level, but even the vision of calling in the name of God. Um, our book is source-rooted from Tanakh to Chazal, Rishonim, Achronim, voices that have always been there. But when the Jewish people were on survival instinct, as a tiny persecuted minority, we didn't allow ourselves to go into vision mode. But part of the vision mode is a fulfillment of the vision of humanity, of how to link and in the name of God, in God's name to link together based on what in the divine bring us together. And this does not preclude that we have things that we could disagree with, just like religious Orthodox Jews who are bound to the Shulchan Aruch have issues that we deeply could disagree with one another, but we could still Acknowledge each other as of de Hashem. Okay, so um, it, it it sounds that when we're talking about interfaith dialogue, it 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 it's not focused really on theological dialogue. It it it's not a discussion about the theology of each religion. It's it's more trying to find common ground. Um, it's and maybe I, I'll even say what I specifically tried to focus on 
um, the great question, will religion set us against each other or bring us together? It, I think it gets ultimately to, to what level can we give le legitimacy to the other's identity? Meaning, if I feel that the God that I believe in, love and serve, um, is, is different, or I'll stay positive, is the same God that the other believes, prays to, serves. If we believe we share a God and we, we pray to the same God, we love the same God, and he loves all of humanity, this belief will bring us together. But if we see the other as rejected by God, serving a false God, then this belief will set us against each other. Um, I focus a lot on Islam, and we know, both on the Jewish and Muslim side, there is a deep acknowledgement that we believe in the same God. Where the Rambam that says that Islam believes in the in the unity of God unblemished. In Hebrew, Yuchud Hashem Dofi. I heard from Rav Nevensal, the Rav Rashi of the old city of Yerushalayim, that there's an Iser Doraita to desecrate a mosque because whatever agreements or disagreements, this is a place where they're mitpalel to Hashem Echad. The Quran gives great honor to the Jewish people. What we, we often call ourselves people of the book. Most people don't realize that the term people of the book in Arabic, Ahalul Kitab, is taken from the Quran, which, which um, talks about the Torah given to the Jewish people, talks about, says, when you speak to the people of the book, tell them your God and our God are one. A lot of the problems come from medieval polemics. In the 10th century, there was Ibn Khazam, a real anti-Semite, apparently a Christian apostate who became a, a Muslim, who is jealousy of Shmuel Hanagid, among other factors, led to perversions, saying that all the positive things in Quran about the Jewish people, these are abrogated. And the Torah that the Jews have today, well, that's a forgery. That's not the real Torah. And unfortunately, many of the men in the street believe this perversion against many initial statements. Things are, are enemies. The Hamas take things out of context. For example, they say, according to Islam, Jews are monkeys. Where does that come from? The, the Quran tells the story of the giving of the Torah at Har Sinai, of the Aseret Adibrot, and says that God tested in a certain town well, the Jews keep the Torah. And it says some of the Jews, so he sent fish to the seashore before Shabbos. And some of the Jews were Machalal Shabbos and they went fishing. Other of the Jews said Shabbos and tried to stop them. Those who continued violating the Dibra of keeping Shabbos, God says, because you don't keep the Torah, you are like monkeys. So that becomes the Hamas saying Jews are monkeys according to the Quran. But it's, it is a deep, just like the Gemara says, that the Torah could be a Sama Chaim and a Sama Mavis, a potion of life, a potion of death. Our enemies have taken 
their traditions and made it a potion of death for violence and massacre. And But there are other forces as well. And those we must empower to overcome. Overcome this perversion um, which is used as power corrupts by our enemies to destroy us. And we are playing in their hands to imply that they're all against us. Uh, in conclusion, it, it's, it's a question I ask many guests. I, I think I know the answer in, in, in this case is, are, are you looking at the situation, and especially after Sibchat Torah, October 7th, are you optimistic, pessimistic, or somewhere in between? Um, so with always complex questions, I feel there isn't a yes-no answer. There are certain aspects that are beyond our worst nightmares that have been uncovered. The barbarity of the Hamas the, and also their ability and, and clearly the limitations of Israeli intelligence to allow this to happen were worse than our nightmares. The incredible barbarity of the not only the killing, but the way they killed and sexually attacked beyond our worst nightmares. The, the secular, global, woke left, the way that they stand by the Hamas, even before Israel responded, beyond, truly beyond anything, beyond belief. But there are other forces that are more positive. There are fears what the Hamas hoped for, that the two million Israeli Arab citizens would join in in the, in the havoc. But beyond even an optimistic view, by and large, of course, there are individual exceptions, but by and large, is, the two million Israeli Arabs have stood. On, um, many with the, the country, there are, many of them have been the victims. There are hostages there are Arab Muslim hostages in Gaza. Dozens of Arab Muslims were murdered by the Hamas. Recently, I was at a Nihum Avelim, a shiva for a Bedouin soldier who fell, fell in combat um, last, a week and a half ago in Gaza, was also one of the heroes in October 7th. By and large, the Abraham Accords have stayed in place. Um, the Emirates, Morocco, and other places. So yes, as Charles Dickens says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. There are some aspects worse than our worst nightmares, but there are positive elements, positive forces through the Christian and Muslim world that have been beyond our expectations. So this is the complex reality that we are facing and in this globe, and we must be wise in our responses. Um, again, uh, Rabbi Dr. Yaakov Nagin, thank you so much um, for your uh, words of inspiration and, and analysis. And uh, you should continue to go from strength to strength, chayel and chayel in your work. Thank you so much. All of us together. Am Yisrael Chay. Thank you. Here.